Good day, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Showtime, a podcast series by the Four Seasons Resort Langkawi. Today, we have Aidi, who is our senior resort naturalist, who's been with us since the beginning of when even the resort was even uh, built. Um, and he will be sharing with us more about his passions and how he started and why is he doing um, what, why does he do what he do every day. So, Aidi, over to you. Thank you, Natasha. Mm-hmm. Um, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Aidi, and I am the resident greenie of the resort. I've been interested in nature since I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. My father bought me a book from Life Nature Library called The Sea, and I've never looked back. That mm-hmm. has been one of the motivating forces mm-hmm. in what I do. So what got you so captivated by that book? Was it the whole idea of how fascinating the, the ecosystem is around us? Or because you just, as a kid, you always like to play outdoors? A bit of both. Mm-hmm. I needed to know what makes the world tick. Mm-hmm. What does it do? And when you have a book that explains things, it works. And so, I failed my exams that term because I never studied. The book took all my time. And from there, as I grew older, I realized how fast things were changing. Things I'd seen as a child, I cannot show my children today. Like, uh, by, by that you mean the, how the world has changed around us? The world, mm-hmm. certain plants, mm-hmm. certain animals, it's so different now compared to when I was young. Mm-hmm. I know the attitude of people change as time goes on, but we must be able to show what was there. Otherwise, what are we leaving as a heritage for our grandchildren? That is very true because it's, it's something that we also inherit. The, the environment around us is also something that we inherit, that we pass on to our grandchildren. That's right. And if we don't look after it now, and we don't help people understand it, mm-hmm. what are we leaving? So, what got you into the mangroves then? So, I know recently you were awarded a um, uh, a title by LADA. Oh yes, mm-hmm. I was actually my second round as the Langkawin Geopark Ambassador. And my aim is to deal with the tourism side of it. Mm-hmm and to protect the mangroves mm-hmm. and where people coming in to bring them in and to explain mm-hmm. why it is critical. Mm-hmm. For example, did you know that over 65% of the commercial species of fish which we catch in the ocean to eat breed in the mangroves? Really? 65%? 65%. The, the siakap or sea bass, the groupers, the... Um, what you call it, ikan bilis. Mm, the anchovies. Little tiny anchovies. Oh. And then you've got the shrimp, those huge giant prawns we had in Langkawi. Mm-hmm. They all breathe in there. Oh, interesting. So I, 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 I did not know that. I just know that um, here in Four Seasons, we gave, we gave mangrove tours. And I know that you do this. I mean, how many times have you done a mangrove tour, if you could count? 
average, like a rough figure. <laughs> average, perhaps one trip or 1.2 trips a day mm-hmm. since I started. So, how many years has it been with the Four Seasons? 16 years with the Four Seasons. 16 years. So, that's a lot of mangrove trips. And it's amazing how every single time when you go out, you still have so much passion. Because I personally experienced one with you and um, it was it was amazing. I've never seen such storytelling when it comes to, to going out and seeing trees. Honestly, being on a boat and looking at trees. I think the trick is not to just look at it as a trees or as a location, but as an opportunity to share that with people. Mm-hmm. If the focus is on the people you're with, then it works. Every day there's somebody new mm-hmm. and you share the story. And if people appreciate that, mm-hmm. all the better. So it's a moment that you... So it's a new moment and a new memory every single time. Absolutely. Okay. And what got you so involved with the mangroves? Did you um, started off just doing tours and then you realized something was changing or... Uh, did somebody speak to you about it? So what So, so what really got you into... What got me involved in mangroves was that when I first came to Langkawi, mm-hmm. I'd already done in my past life a lot of surveys of mangroves from the air. Uh, from the air? I used the flight instructor and sometimes I'd fly the um, World Wildlife Fund people to go do aerial surveys of mangroves. And it was from that that I grew to appreciate what that ecosystem was. Mm-hmm. And the more I read about it, the more I studied it, mm-hmm. the more I realized how important it became. Mm-hmm. And I can't give it up. This mm-hmm. is, if anything else, mm-hmm. my role in life. And what is so important about mangroves to us? Like, what does it affect in general? I mean, besides, so now I know that 65% of uh, the fish that we consume are actually uh, breeding around the mangrove area. But besides that, what else is... Look at it as the air you breathe, for example. Mangroves are very heavy, very dense trees. They absorb a huge amount of carbon out of the air to create the density. So in an average mangrove, per hectare, it retains more carbon than even the rainforest. Per hectare? Per hectare. And as the trees die, Mm -hmm. they sink into the mud, trapping the carbon. It is not released back into the air. Oh, interesting. The other thing is, you see the big hill behind the resort, Gurung Raya? The five small rivers come out of that hill through the mangroves. If you leave, all the nutrients get into the ocean. Mm-hmm. You get algae blooms. Correct. If you have a mangrove, it sucks it all up and you get clear water in front. Mm-hmm. It and gives the oceans clean. And is it true that you know, there's a lot of misconception of people thinking like, oh, if I go to a mangrove, there's so many mosquitoes, it's, it's going to smell. Um, but I, I went on mine and I was so surprised that there were zero mosquitoes. Well, that is the mangrove ecosystem Mm -hmm. looking after itself and thereby looking after us. So, 
What causes the mosquitoes to not be around it? Some of the trees from the uh, Rhizophora family of trees exude a resin into the water. Mm -hmm. Remember when we went in, you saw a bit of a layer like looks like oil? Yeah, that's correct. That resin layer, as the water as the tide goes out, forms a film on any stagnant pool left behind. The surface tension is so high, they can't lay their eggs and the larvae can't breathe. No mozzies. And it's, it's, and it's amazing how Mother Nature has literally thought of everything. Pretty much. Trouble is we tend to destroy it all. That is true. But like, if you could give an advice to perhaps maybe your grandchildren or even to the younger generation, uh, what kind of advice would you give them to treasure our ecosystem more? Learn to live with things, not without. Why clear the land mm -hmm. when you can just clear enough for yourself mm. and have the rest of nature around you? So pretty much adopt a um, attitude where be happy with having enough and not more. Coexistence is a secret to everything in this world. Mm. And we have to keep going that way. Mm -hmm. And may I ask if your family is also as interested in nature? Or together, do they go on trips with you? or? Sometimes they do. Mm -hmm. But being young, they're all trying to find their own way in life. Mm -hmm. They do appreciate nature. Mm -hmm. But I think as they get a bit older, they will come back to it. They will come back to they it. Oh, they will. Okay. I think I think it's very nice to to see that we provide a form of education to our guests um, about what really the mangroves are and how much habitat lives around it. Because a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know the importance of it. And how many million years old is the mangroves in Langkawi again? Like the island itself is about hundred and fifty million years old. Mm -hmm. However, the mangroves as a sustainable ecosystem mm -hmm. would have been around, I would say, 40, 50 million years. Okay. And besides the mangroves, what, what else is your passion? I know that you also do your own photography. You do like... I love photography. Yeah. I love birds. You love birds? I do the bird watching tours as well. Okay. For a small island, we have mm -hmm. got over 221 species. Mm -hmm recorded by the WWF, mm -hmm. oh, sorry, Malaysian Nature Society. Okay. I have photographed another 40 odd species, mm -hmm. which have not been recorded before here. Oh, wow. So how do you do that? You just camp out in the mangroves or no? No. Nope. Just wait? Where I go, my camera goes. Mm. So where do you go? Do you go like go up to the mountains and just sit and wait for the birds to come out? Or do you yeah. actually do a lot of research and you know like the that the birds live in this area? Actually, you you want to know roughly what the birds are like. Mm -hmm. So what you do, you understand the time of the day they come out, and that's all you need. Mm -hmm. Park the car, sit down, mm -hmm. and wait. If there's a fruiting or flowering tree, mm -hmm. the fruit-eating birds and the nectar-eating birds will all come out. Mm -hmm. Then if you have an area where there are insects, all the insect eating birds will come up. Mm -hmm. Understand their life mm -hmm. and you'll know how to catch them. Interesting. And of course, I mean, we all went through this pandemic uh, last year 
And did that stop you from going out to the mangroves? Or you went out even more? Did you see any changes that happened in nature during that period of time? Some incredible changes took place. Mm -hmm. The area became a lot cleaner because there, were a lot, there was a lot less boat traffic everywhere. Mm -hmm. The trees are coming back. I'm seeing animals I've not seen for more than 15 years. So they've gone out and just animals took over some of the part portions of uh, the area and the mangroves that you've never seen before. Is that is that right? That's right. As well as in the paddy fields, we're getting birds that were not recorded here before. Wow. Next week, I'm going out with a friend, a close friend, and we're going to photograph some of these birds again. Oh, that's nice. I mean, I also know that um, personally, I, I can, I, I've experienced that the animals are more sociable now, I would say, if, if that would be the right word. Like, they they don't mind people. Like, they're more easily approachable because the the, the monkeys around the property used to just run away, especially the, the, the dusky bees. But now they just hang around. Yes, that is a bit of a disadvantage, actually. <laughs> because they're now starting to occasionally mm. rape the room service <laughs> And like, what's for lunch today? What did room number five order? Yeah. <laughs> and you're making sure, okay, so that, that room is having fish and chips, so we're having fish and chips today. Exactly. <laughs> but for the rest of it, the birds, mm -hmm. we have one wonderful bird in Lankar called the Great Hornbill. Mm -hmm. For the first time in the 21 years I've been on the island, I saw them at the back of the resort. Also at the back three, of the resort? Three months ago. Oh, wow. And they, and is it true that they usually fly in pairs? Um, actually more, they, more like a squadron. Oh, so not just in pairs? Not just in pairs. The pair is fixed, there's no escape from that. <laughs> but you only get about four or five pairs mm -hmm. coming in the squadron looking for food. And if one of them finds food, they'll call the others. Ah, and do they have um, like a certain preference in an area? Do they like high trees? Do they prefer trees with fruits or something? Fruiting trees every time. Okay. The food or the makan is number one. Mm. Very Malaysian. Very Malaysian. Makan time very important. Exactly. <laughs> every time when there's food, you will see that the, the hornbills the horn will be there. You see a fruiting tree, as the fruits are emerging, mm -hmm. you mark it down. Mm -hmm. Then over every other day, just go by, as it starts to ripen, mm -hmm. you just wait there, they will come. Okay, that's nice. And and I, I'm sure that you see all of this every single day, but does it still excite you? Does it still make you feel like, oh wow? Yes, actually it does. Because to me as a photographer, it's like, can I get a better angle? Mm. Can I get a shot that tells the bird mm -hmm. as it is? Mm. Can I bring that feeling across mm. to whoever's viewing my image? That's true. So perhaps if I were to look at your photograph, the goal of it is to make me feel like I'm there in person, looking yeah. at the birds or looking at the um, um, insects or animals or lizards that you capture. But what is your favorite animal by far? Oh, tough question. <laughs> you have it to pick one. One. Oh, one. If you could pick one. If you had to be stuck with an animal 
I or would say the fiddler crab. The fiddler crab. Okay, why? Their social structure, mm-hmm. the fact that they use their nails with a single bit claw mm-hmm. to talk to each other. There's a lot of very mm-hmm. physical involvement mm-hmm. between the crabs. Mm-hmm. So, what, so do, say they do claw gestures? Yes, they do gestures. So it's like yeah. sign language. Oh. And they talk and they tell go away or mm-hmm. hello baby, come here. Yeah. It's all there. From the claw? From the claw. That is interesting. I do not know that. So it's basically a crab that has one big claw. Is that correct? One big and one small. Okay. Only the male. Okay. They're sexually dimorphic. Mm-hmm. The big claws are signaling and fighting. The small claws are feeding. So they feed with the small claw. Yes. But the big claws are used to uh, defend themselves. Defend themselves or to go, baby, come here. And do they uh, live um, predominantly in the mangroves only or, or can they be found in other areas as well? Any place where the strata is muddy or very silty, you will find them. But mangroves are the predominant ecosystem where they are to be found. And what do they contribute to the mangroves usually? A lot. They would live in these burrows and mm-hmm. aerate the soil further down, mm-hmm. allowing the trees to drag their roots further. They, so a fiddler crab does that? Oh yeah. Oh wow. Because they have evolved into being air breathing. It cannot breathe for long underwater. So if the tide comes in, mm-hmm. they go down the water and shut the door, and there they are. Okay. And whatever they eat, whatever passes out, fertilizes the base of the tree. Interesting. Interesting. It's, it's really amazing to know that one small crab can do so much. One small crab can do a little. Mm-hmm. It's an average of nearly 50 crabs per square meter. Okay. <laughs> we have the volume. So teamwork makes the dream work, as they say. Absolutely. <laughs> well, for the listeners out there who have more questions for ID, feel free to drop us a note and stay tuned to the next episode where he shares more with us about um, his adventure when he goes out and how he does his photography and what is his secret to capturing wildlife in, uh, in, um, through his lens. And I, would, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. And it's, it's been a pleasure. It's, it's, an, it's a humbling experience to also learn so many things from you. Thank you very much. The pleasure is entirely mine, as is the honor. So, thank you. Catch you next time, Ron. Catch you next time.